Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching.
opportunity to meet with your family, to serve over at the Methodist Church. We're going to start out there with several churches in the area coming together for our Saturday serve. And if you can't be there today, just come and connect, plug in at any time throughout the day. There's a sign-up table across the area over towards the children's check-in entrance. So we'd love to know if you're coming. And there's bags you can take and fill full of groceries. So please, jump in any way possible and help us out. And we'd love for you to join us and be a part of that. And the next day, a week from today, on Sunday, right after the church service, we have our Discover FABC luncheon coming up. This is a wonderful opportunity for families who are visiting, for individuals who'd like to know more about our church. So we would love for you to stay and be a part of that. So if you have friends that are visiting and you want to share with them, this is a no commitment, just a great way to learn more about opportunities to connect, to grow with us here at First Missionary. And so uh, please call the front office and reserve if you're coming to be a part of that. Arizona Mission Trip Meeting, September 11th, in the auditorium. If you're interested in our next mission trip, 2020, July, we'd love for you to come and be a part of that. And college ministry, if the Lord has given you a burden to reach college students, we would love for you to let us know. So a couple ways you can do that. If you're interested in college ministry, you can text college teach interested in teaching a class or if you're interested in just serving and supporting in some way college support to that phone number so we're so thankful to have you this morning welcome to first missionary let's continue to worship the Lord together Till I lay my head 
in the first service this morning. I don't know that anything else needs to be said other than great are you, Lord. Pretty much sums it up. You give us life. You give us breath. You restore us. You're a great God. And we praise you. Lift you up this morning. Pray for this time of offering. Pray that you take that and use it as you see fit, Lord. Bless the gift, bless the giver. Pray that it's just given with a joyful, cheerful heart this morning. Because you're so good to us. You're so worthy of our praise and our glory. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. He's always so worthy and he's good and deserving of all of our affection and praise all the time. No matter what we're going through, through the good times, the bad times, he certainly is always worthy to be praised. And I just really believe in my heart that when we learn how to praise him, when life is tough and difficult, uh, we have, there's a way that his spirit just raises us up above our situations and our circumstances. And we certainly, we certainly uh, have been challenged this past week. Wow, what a tough, tough week 
this has been for our church family. Uh, we do have a great, great honor this afternoon of being able to celebrate the life of Miss Fran Gold, a life that was lived very well, and uh, she always had a way of, well, her presence was just a very, very special thing to, to be a part of, and always full of life and full of joy, and man, if, if, if Fran was there, you knew she was there, and positive and encouraging, and, and so it's just really tough, tough week for her to uh, passed from this earth, and we're certainly mindful of the fact that uh, our loss is 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 only here. Um, but also this week, and even this morning, I was reminded uh, of why we we exist. Why do we exist? What? Why do we do what we do? And uh, you know, we do what we do to to give people a foundation. On which they can live their lives and 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 do everything in their life it's a it's a foundation of faith it's a foundation of hope and and when that foundation is there and it's strong it it's beyond this life it, it transcends this life and, and 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 so when you have that and and you have that to, to to live your life upon it's not even something you fall upon i i just not a real fan of that thought that we fall upon. No, no, no. It's not just something we look to uh, when life is hard or difficult. It's, it's really a, a life that we live in all the time. It really is. And so as the body of Christ, we get to share the gospel. We get to share hope. And uh, what a great thing we get to be a part of to give people uh, a foundation and a hope uh, for their lives. And last Sunday night, we had a great celebration right here. At First Missionary, four folks following Christ in believers' baptism. Husband and wife baptized at the exact same time together. The Lord is worthy to be praised. Let's give him a hand clap of praise for those new lives that are in Christ. And what a great experience that was. And, and for those of you uh, who followed the Lord in believers' baptism, thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing us to be a part of that uh, in your faith journey in your life. Wow been really a challenging week but a great week at the same time well today we're going to turn the page we're going to uh, move beyond john three sixteen, and we're going to move to uh, an area of, of thought that i think is really 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 important uh, we're going to spend most of our time in the book of ephesians but we'll also be in the book of Galatians, and we'll look at another, a uh, few other passages of scriptures just today as, as texts that we'll be looking at uh, this morning. So I'm really excited about uh, what's coming up in our time together. I hope you're excited as well. So let's pray, and we'll get started, okay? Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and for your grace. And Father, we would love to be able to Bottle up your spirit and what you did in our first service this morning. Just trust you to do it all over again the same way. But yet, Father, I realize that here in this service, we have different lives, different situations. We don't want to replicate. We want to trust your spirit to move and work in a fresh way. We are dependent upon your spirit 
uh, to be our teacher, and we trust God that you will do that through your teacher and through us in this time. We give you our praise, we give you our attention, we give you our focus, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever been lied to? Have you ever been lied to? I would say most of us would answer and say, yeah, I've been lied to before in my life. Well, how did it make you feel when you knew you had been lied to? You think, well, I, I felt a sense of betrayal. Uh, I felt uh, a distrust come over me in regard to that person. I, I felt really, really hurt by that. Well, let me ask you another question. Have you ever been lied to at church? And you might be thinking, well, yeah, I've had a brother or sister in Christ, someone I went to church with to lie to me. And in fact, when you ask me, have I ever had someone to lie to me? Yeah, the first person I thought of was someone I, I actually went to church with. But let me ask you this. Have you ever been lied to by what you were taught or what was preached at church. Now, some of you might say, well, I don't know. I might be being lied to right now. <laughs> Have you ever come to a place and point in your life, in your study of Scripture, in your time with God's Word, and you look back and you thought, yeah, if I wasn't lied to, then I was at least misled. I know people today who have a faith background and a faith tradition where throughout their life they were taught to live with one foot in law and one foot in grace. And they came to realize it's all of grace. They, they lived their life maybe thinking, hey, yeah, God gives me his grace that I might know him. But then after that, it's all on me. In fact, in order for me to stay in God's good graces, then I need to continue to do certain things. So maybe you were told, if you don't go to church enough, then you could in fact lose your salvation. If you don't go to the right church, you could be in danger of hellfire by not going to the right church. If you don't give like you're supposed to give, if you don't serve like you're supposed to serve, if you don't do or raise your family, or what about this? If you commit a really, really big sin. Then you've lost your salvation in Christ. I know people who live their life and, and they thought, well, I might not lose my salvation, but my closeness to God, my relationship to God is dependent on all these things I do. I live with one foot in law, one foot in grace. And then I came to realize it's all of grace. And I know people who look back and they thought, you know what? Many, many years I was misled. I was lied to. 
and they were upset, almost angry about it because they felt like there was so much of the joy of the Christian life that was robbed from them. But then you take it to another place in regards to, say, your salvation. If you don't do these things or do that or whatever, you really, if you avoid that, those big sins, then your salvation is secure. And so it, it's on you, but it goes to another level. You're actually in danger of losing your salvation. Have you ever been taught or led to believe that you could be saved one day or one moment and lost the next? In church life, this is often referred to as falling from grace. And so the question that we're asking today is, can I fall from grace? And we know that people struggle with different aspects of their salvation all the time. Uh, someone might say, you know, I don't feel saved. I don't feel saved. They might say, I don't think I'm saved, in spite of anything that's happened in their past. Uh, they might say, I feel saved one minute, but then the next minute, I'm not for sure. Or what about someone who says, I don't think I want to be saved anymore. I don't think I believe anymore. I have doubts. I have uncertainties. What about my friend, though? Maybe not me, but what about my friend or a family member who seems to have renounced his or her faith? What about my friend or family member who committed suicide? Do I have to confess every sin every time in order to be forgiven? What if I forget one? Can I fall from grace? And some people will come right back and say, yes, you can. In fact, the Bible teaches that you can fall from grace. And many times they will go right to the book of Galatians and they'll say right there you have it in the biblical text. You can fall from grace. It, that part of Galatians is Galatians chapter 5. It's verse 4. We're going to do something that's a little dangerous when it comes to how we understand Scripture. It's a little dangerous to always just take one verse and pull it out of its context. So what I hope to be able to do is to give you a little bit more of, of the meat around the bones of this verse of Scripture. It's Galatians chapter 5, verses uh, verse 4. And Paul writes to the believers in the region of Galatia, and he says to them, you have been severed from Christ. And someone can say, well, right there you had it. The first part, Galatians 5, 4 very plain. These people had had a relationship with Christ. Now they have been severed from Christ. They've done something and they've lost their salvation. Then in the next part, he says, you who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. And they say, you can't have it any more plain than that. Let the Bible speak. But notice something in the text. Paul qualifies 
his audience who he is speaking specifically to. Now, in the region of Galatia and in the community of, of faith in Galatia, it's very similar to like Ephesians, which we're going to look at today, and the community of, of faith in Ephesians. Also like in the book of Hebrews and the Hebrew community that the writer of Hebrews was addressing, you'll find three different types of people within the spectrum of where they stand with faith, okay? You'll find individuals that will say they are there. And by the way, this is a lot like even church life today. In our community of faith here, with people who come and they visit and they're here and they go and they come back. It's like this in almost every community of faith, where in a community, people are open and welcome to come. You have those individuals who are there. I mean, they're there. They have come to faith in Christ. They have been justified, which is a theological term, which means to be made right with God. They're there. They are clearly saved. Then you have those individuals who are close. They're close, but they're not close enough. They have heard the gospel. They are at a, a place in time of their life where maybe they're me, me, moving toward faith or belief in Christ, but they're not there yet. They're close. They're close. Maybe they're asking questions. They're inquiring. You know, their, their spiritual antenna is up and they're, they're wondering and they're asking questions. They're close, but they're not close enough. By all practical definitions, we would say that technically they're still not saved. They are an unbeliever. And then there's another group or another individual who's far, far away from being there. Maybe this is all brand new to them. And by the way, I would absolutely encourage you identify people, connect with friends, build a relationship with people who are far from God and encourage them and love them. In fact, last Sunday night, we celebrated the baptism of husband and wife. They were baptized the exact same time and a, a small group in our church, in our ministry, literally loved them to faith in Christ. We saw them baptized together as husband and wife, both at the exact same time. I would encourage you. Connect with people who are far from God. And invite them. Encourage them. Bring them to where the gospel is being proclaimed. And the truth of God is taught. The personal invite is still the most effective way. To bring people to hear the gospel. They're far. This is all brand new to them. They don't even know if they want to believe or not. They're at that point in time where, where this is all just, this is just different. And they're, they're just wondering, is this really, really for me or not? Maybe somebody invited them. Maybe somebody brought them. Maybe they were even made to come. They're not there. 
And they're not close. They're far. They're an unbeliever. When Paul writes these words in Galatians 5 verse 4, he qualifies to whom he's specifically talking. He says, you've been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. In other words, they were seeking to be made right with God by going to the law, the old covenant, and by their deeds and works under the old covenant, which was a conditional covenant, they are seeking to be made right with God. He's speaking specifically to those who are close, perhaps. But they're not there yet. They haven't found justification in Christ where they can stand and be like, clearly, I know that I'm justified by faith in Christ. I know that I am saved. No, I want to go under the law, the old covenant, and be justified by law. And Paul is saying, if that, if that is your spiritual trajectory, and that is the course you are on in your life. And by the way, by the way, living under law is where you trust yourself. It's where you trust what you do to be made right with God. If that is your spiritual trajectory and you're going that way, Paul could say, you have been severed from Christ. And to, watch this, and to fall away from grace is literally to fall away from the grace message. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. For you to fall away from the grace message means you're removing yourself from the avenue that God wants to use to bring you to a place where you can be justified by faith. Now I want you to think about this really close for just a second. It has to do with what the term grace actually means. Grace means unmerited favor. It means that there's nothing that you do to earn or to deserve what you get. Now, if I said to you, hey, listen, uh, my yard is getting really, really high right now. The grass in my yard is getting really, really high. I would, I would love to hire you to go mow my yard. And I hire you to mow my yard. You go out there, you mow the yard, and I give you a fair wage. And you say, well, Brother Allen, wow, thanks for the gift. I'd be like, first of all, it's, it's not a gift. It's a wage. You earned what I gave you. You deserve what I gave you. It's a wage. It's not a gift. Grace is a gift. It is unmerited favor. And watch this. It is getting something that, that you do not deserve. So watch this. If Paul is in fact saying, those of you, if he's saying this, now watch this. Those of you who are at a place where you have received God's grace and you're receiving something that you don't deserve, now you are doing something that causes you to fall from God's grace then what you had to begin with was not grace at all. It really doesn't make sense. 
you're at a place where God gives you his unmerited favor, and it's not based on anything that you do. But now, based on something you do, you fall away from it. Well, we could call that anything, but we can't call it grace. Here, falling from grace means to fall away or to remove yourself from the grace message. There's another aspect of this that is extremely powerful, and it has to do with God's heart for people when they're saved. Someone can say, well, Brother Allen, you're going to preach a message on once saved, always saved. I'm not a big fan of, of that term. They might say, well, do you believe once saved, always saved? Well, I do, but the, the term seems to be a bit shallow. It seems to be a bit cliche-ish. It doesn't take into consideration everything around what it really means to be saved, what it means to be justified and made right by God with God because salvation in Christ is so much more than a choice. It is a choice that brings about a change. It's not a choice that then just remains as a choice. It's a choice that brings about a change. And the change is absolutely powerful. In the book of Ezekiel, God gives to Israel the promise of the new covenant. That he will establish with the nation of Israel... By which those who are not of Israel will become benefactors of this new covenant. You see, you only have two people groups, biblically speaking. You have the Jews, the chosen nation of Israel. And then you have everybody else on the planet that are not made up of the Jews, the chosen nation of Israel. And they're chosen because God is going to, and God did, through the nation, give to the world and bring to us the Messiah Jesus Christ. But everybody else on the planet who's not a Jew, they're simply called Gentiles. The new covenant was promised to the Jews, but yet all the nations will be blessed by faith in the Messiah. Gentiles are benefactors of the new covenant. You say, well, what am I? Or am I a Jew? Am I a Gentile? Most likely, the majority of you here today, you are Gentiles. But listen to the promise that he gives in the new covenant. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, God says, Moreover, I will give you a new what? A new heart. A new what? A new, a new heart. And put a new what? A new spirit Within you, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. He, he's not just saying that in the new covenant, there will be a choice for you to make. He is saying there will be a change for you to have. It is a change of heart. It is where a new heart and a new spirit is placed into you. Salvation is so much more than you saying 
yes to Jesus today. It's you saying yes to Jesus. But then Jesus changing you. This is why Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he would say, Therefore, if anyone is where? In Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new what? Is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Not just a choice, but a serious, serious change. And notice in the first part of this, he says, if anyone is in Christ. Now, you, when you were a kid, or maybe when you came to a point of faith in Christ, you might have, you might have asked Jesus to come into your heart. You might have invited Christ into your life. But did you know that when you invite Christ into your life or you ask Jesus to come into your heart, you are placed into his heart and he takes you and makes you and brings you into his life. Let me say that again. When you accept Christ by faith, it's not just Christ comes and lives in your heart. Or he is now in your life. You are placed in his heart. And you're brought into his life. Did you know that the New Testament spends more. Uh, we, we can put it this way. The New Testament devotes more ink. To talking about us being in Christ. Than what it does in regards to talking about Christ being in us, in us, although both are equally true. Paul understood. It was very important in his teaching that people know that when you get saved, it is about you being in Christ. You being in His life. A new creature with a new heart. You have a new spirit. His spirit is his life inside of you. You are not the same. We are talking about a transformation of heart that leads to a transformation of desire. He changes you. You are born again. And therefore to lose what you have is going to require a complete untransformation or changing back or undoing or another birth that is not of Him. And that language of that undoing or that changing or that reverse transformation, it's not there. In the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 1. Paul continues to talk about. He talks about being in Christ. And notice what he does here. He says. In him. You also. That. Personal pronoun. You. 
is really important in understanding the book of Ephesians. You see, in Ephesians chapter 1, everything up to verse 12, Paul has used the personal pronoun us. Us, us, us. But then when he hits verse 13, he uses you. And it's plural. Which we could translate in good old West Kentucky, you all, or better yet, y'all. He's been talking about us. Check the language out. Look in Ephesians chapter 1. Watch the pronouns. Us, us, us. Through 12. Hit verse 13. You all. Y'all. He will tell us later in Ephesians who y'all is. That's not grammatically correct. He will tell us who y'all are. Okay? So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, he makes it very, very clear who y'all is, who y'all are. In verse 11, he says, therefore, remember, this is huge. In understanding Ephesians 1, 2, and following. Therefore, remember that formerly who? You or y'all. You all. You like that better, don't you? You all. Yes, the English teacher. I said y'all, and he just kind of cringed. Okay. Therefore, remember that formerly you and who are, who is the you. You, the who. Can y'all read? Okay, just kidding. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. You, the who, the, the Gentiles in the flesh. So if you're not a Gentile, from a biblical perspective, you are a what? You're a Jew. What was Paul? Paul was a Jew. When he talks about us, he's speaking in regards to us Jews. But now... He's speaking to you all, the Gentiles in the flesh who are called, and this is the heart of the book of, of the book of Ephesians, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision. The circumcision or the circumcised ones were the Jews who had the mark of the old covenant upon them. The ones who were the uncircumcised were the ones who did not have the mark of God upon them to keep the old covenant or the law. The circumcised, the Jews, were so proud in their privilege of being the chosen ones of God as a nation to bring about the Messiah that they, they looked down upon the Gentiles. The Gentiles were an unclean people. They didn't have the mark of God upon them. And the heart of what Paul's dealing with in the book of Ephesians is how in the world does God, how does he bring together the Jews, the chosen people of God, of God along with these Gentiles who are also chosen in Christ? How does he bring them together into a family? Well, one of the things that's so encouraging about this is that the heart of God 
bleeds for all people. For everybody on the planet. He has made a way for people to be a part of His family. The cross brings together Jew and Gentile. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. You see the issue here, you, the issue here in salvation is not a mark upon your external body. It is a change of your heart. It is a circumcision of the heart that has to be had to truly be saved. Remember, verse 12, that you were at that time, notice the language, separate from Christ. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. How could he say that these Gentiles, these Gentiles, they were in fact separate from Christ? How could he say that? Because the Jews had the law. But here's what we have to understand. Everything within the law would serve as copies and shadows that would point to the blessings that we would have in Christ. To really understand what God did back there under the old covenant was to understand that all of those things and the efforts of people and their sacrifices and their works of service and everything that they could possibly do could never be enough to bring them into a right relationship with God. They were imperfect. And the law was used to show them you can't do it. All the rules, all the regulations, they were copies and shadows that pointed to Christ. The hope that was to come. They were under a schoolmaster or a tutor called the law. But once the law did its job of showing them you can't do this on your own, then they would be ready to receive someone who could do it for them. That's what he means by you were separate from Christ. The copies and shadows that pointed to him, you were separated from them and you had no hope and you were without God in the world. Verse 13, but now. Y'all just say that with me. This is, this is huge. But what? But what? But now. Because of the cross. But now. In Christ Jesus, who you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, I didn't put it up there, but listen to this next part. He says, for he himself being Christ is our peace. Us, the Jews. You, the Gentiles. Now brought together in Christ. He. Not the law. Not religious rules. Not regulations. He is our peace. He brings us together. So when you go back to verse 13. And you know who 
you is who you are, he says this. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed. Listening is on you. Listening to the gospel is on you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. Having also believed, believing is on you. Believing is on you. In him also, after you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Listening on you, believing on you, the sealing is what he does on you in Christ. You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. God's own possession. If you're in Christ, that's what you are. You're no longer a, a child of wrath. You're a child of God. You're His. This isn't just about a choice that you make one day and then maybe a feeling that comes over you the next day. This is about a radical transformation and change of you on the inside. And he gives to us the Holy Spirit and he seals us in him. The word seal here is a really important word. Because in the ancient world, when a package, a crate, or a letter was delivered, it was sealed with a seal, like a, a wax seal that a king would take. And he would take his ring that would have his his personal identification on the ring. And he would take that seal, which might have been like hot wax, and he'd put his ring in it. And it would go over the letter or on the package. And having that seal or that mark on it would indicate from where it had come and to whom it belonged. It marked ownership and authenticity of the contents. And you got to keep in mind. The Gentiles. Had never had a mark of God. Upon their lives. But now they do. And even for the Jew. Who comes to faith in Christ. By not depending or trusting on the works of the law. They're also sealed with the Holy Spirit. And they get a new mark of God on their life. It's not a choice. It's a change. It's a change of identity. If you're in Christ, you are God's child. His mark is on you. And we're going to break this down next week. So you got to come back. The power of...
to keep what is His is not the power within you, but it's the power within Him. You parents out there, have your, have your children ever done anything that caused you to be disappointed in them? No, now, let me back up. Let me back up. You parents, have your children ever done anything that caused you to be disappointed in what they did? They ever broke your heart, made a decision, made a choice that grieved your heart, made you think they're not acting in regard to their raising. Now, parent, before you go too far with that and start looking down the aisle right now, have you ever broken your parents' heart? Did you ever do anything in the course of your life that caused your parents to be disappointed or hurt or grieved by what you did. Some of you are thinking, I'm just thankful they don't know everything that I ever did. Because if they knew everything that I ever did, they would certainly, certainly be disappointed in what I did. But did you, have you, did they, could they ever deny you? Even if you wanted to, even if they wanted to, you can't deny them because they're yours. They were born of you. They have your mark on their lives. And even though they made a choice, the choice doesn't change their identity. The Word tells us that God, He is able and He's faithful to complete the good work that He began in you. I am so thankful that today I can live my life. And because I have a changed heart and I am a new creature in Christ, the desire of my heart and the power of grace is to always come to the Father. Even when I blow it and I make mistakes, if I'm afraid of Him and I'm afraid of hellfire and condemnation and judgment, I certainly don't want to run to Him. And be isolated and separated from the power that I need in my life to get things back on track. No, because of His grace, I don't run from Him. I run to Him and I find a forgiving, loving Father who might whisper in my ear and say, Yeah, what you did was really dumb. But you don't trust yourself to correct your course. Because you'll wind right back up here. You trust me, the life in you. And I'll take you where you need to go. 
Oh my goodness. Learning of this grace. I want to say it changed my life. It made me aware of the change that came to my life. And I can enjoy Him because I don't have to work for Him anymore to try to get Him to love me. Wow, it's so free and so liberating to set you on the course of pursuing his heart. Man, I don't work for him anymore to try to get him to love me. I just serve him because I realized how much he does love me. We were made for this. If you're in Christ. So won't you stand with us today. And over the next couple of weeks. We're going to continue to explore this question. Can I. Be saved today. And lost tomorrow. We'll continue to look at. Other biblical texts. And we'll ask God. To lead us to the right understanding. Because I don't want any of you. To walk out of here and be misled or lied to but if you've been misled and you've been lied to I hope that the truth will set you free thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast that's it for this week's teaching but you can always find more on our website firstmissionary.net we'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook follow us on Instagram and Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family. Then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.